Well, this is part two of our prayer. It's not complicated series. Part two. Part two. But John, why are you here? Well, we figured, you know, prayer is a really important thing. We should have somebody who really has experience in prayer teach on prayer. All right. That sounds amazing. Hey, Admiral Akbar. Yeah? Today, it's not a trap. It's not a trap. Welcome to Together for Salem. For Salem. How you doing? Good job. Thank you. I'm Monica. I'm John. Yep. And you're a lot taller you're than I remember. You're shorter than I remember. So. What's up, podcasters? What's up, podcasters? <laughs> Welcome to part two of Prayer. It's not, it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Actually, so, it's called It's Not. It's Not Complicated. What's it called? Why are you here? <laughs> what are you doing? Where's Aaron? Uh, he's on vacation. Okay, great. Yeah. And you are too? No. Well, yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah, we have a special guest speaker to tell us how to pray. That sounds fabulous. I look forward to it. Yeah. So before we start, I just want to say really quickly, if you're new here, welcome. This is put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem, for Salem, for you. This content is online, but we do gather in person, which we'll talk more about on the the other side. Yeah. Fill out the welcome form, link on the screen and in the show notes. And here's to you, Ken. Oh, does he need my shirt this time? No, he's fine. It's fine. Leave it on, please. Please okay. leave it on. Right. Fine. Hey, what's up with your prayer life? Are you satisfied with your prayer life? Is it all you think it could be? Have you ever felt like your prayers are just not getting through, not getting off the ground, or they're kind of bouncing off the ceiling? Do you sense a barrier or just like a weakness about your prayers that that you wish you could overcome? No matter if we're new to the concept or have been practicing for years, there's probably room for improvement, right? (laughs) I know there is. And I want to share some things with you, both from the uh, writings of the church, some of our fathers of the faith, and also from my own experience that I hope will help you in your understanding and pursuit of what it is to pray with effectiveness. Prayer is a supernatural endeavor. It's simple and yet it's not easy. And sometimes we're just not sure that we're doing it right. And so I just want to help you with that. If you've pursued a meaningful prayer life or just contemplating the possibility, you may be someone like me. I never feel like you've quite grown enough in the area of prayer. You always think there could be more to it than what you've experienced. There's always room for growth, right? So let's pick up where John left off in the last episode and talk specifically about how to pray. There is no one correct way to pray, right? I mean, in my early religious training, I thought there was only one way to pray correctly, right? I mean, it was like repetitive and memorized prayers approved by the one true church. And yet, I would always talk to God just normally. I mean, I, I just didn't realize that what I was doing was actually praying. I mean, I remember laying on the front lawn of our home when I was about seven or eight years old, looking up at the stars and thinking, wow, how far does space go? And I asked God, I said, God, is there an end to space? And I got this real weird feeling, (laughs) wow, if there's an end to space, what's on the other side? (laughs) 
And I feel, I remember in my spirit, it's like God said, I'm on the other side. I went, wow, that's where God is. <laughs> and I also remember as a little kid praying to God and asking him, God, who should I go play with? I'd go outside and I'm thinking, should I go to Bobby Abrush or should I go down to Stephen Godchels? This was like the third grade. And, um, and so I would say, okay, God, that line on the sidewalk there, I'm going to spin. If it goes on the right side, I'm going to talk to Stephen, go play with Stephen. If it goes on the left, I'll go play with Bobby Abrush. And so I'd spit and, oh, how about two out of three? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but anyway, I was praying, and I didn't realize that was praying. But looking back, you know, I think those conversations from a young child were probably more some of the more precious in God's eyes, don't you? You know, in our last episode, John dealt with what prayer is. It's not that complicated is what he said, and it's that's true. Prayer is not incantation or magical formula. Prayer is simply talking with God. It's not about ritual. It's about relationship. It's communication with the creator of the universe, the giver and sustainer of life, the savior and the shepherd of our souls, the friend that is closer than a brother, right? It can be corporate, it can be private, it can be formal, it can be personal or majestic or intimate, um, loud or soft or silent prayers even. It can be long prayers or short prayers or very brief, like the shortest prayer in the Bible. You know where that is? Peter's walking on the water. He looks at the wind and the waves around him and he begins to sink. And I think if he's like the rest of us with human nature, he waited the last second and he prayed the shortest prayer in the Bible. He prayed, Lord, save me. Right? It's all meaningful in the right circumstances and in the right frame of mind. The important thing is the right frame of mind. And Jesus had something to say about this. That ex-tax collector uh, and friend and follower of Jesus by the name of Matthew recorded some of Jesus' teaching on this uh, right frame of mind and how to pray in what we call the book of Matthew or the account of Matthew. There were those in Matthew's day who prided themselves in their spirituality. They demonstrated it with their elaborate displays in giving and prayer especially. And Jesus addressed the issue in Matthew chapter 6. And in verse 1, we read, we read this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. It's about motive. It's about frame of mind. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, right? And so there are three correctives regarding um, uh, hypocrisy here in this passage. And the first is concerning giving. In verse 2, he says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men, right? And so again, it's the motive. Are you being are you doing it to be seen by men, be honored by men? And then also a corrective in the area of public prayer. In verse 5, he says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so again, it's the frame of mind. It's, it's um, are we doing it to be seen by men or are we sincere in our prayers? And then there's the repetitive prayer um, and the motive behind that. 
verse 7, he says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. And that's actually the way I was taught to pray. <laughs> Repetitive. And, you know, go say five Hail Marys. Go say ten Our Fathers. Our Father, who art in heaven, I'll be the name of the kingdom that will be done on earth. In heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors in Jesus' name. Amen. And get it done? Okay, you're good. You know, it was ritual. It was had nothing to do with relationship. So he goes on and he says, verse 8, So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows before we don't before we even ask him. And so there's no need for these long-winded, elaborate prayers. There's no need to impress or convince God of your great of your great need. He already knows. And that's how we're not to pray. And so Jesus goes on to teach his disciples and us how we are to pray. And there are six directives that follow here. So beginning with verse 9, let's read that passage. Pray then in this way, Jesus said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're familiar with that prayer. It's a very familiar prayer, right? And, uh, but... I want us to look at it from the standpoint of how we are to pray. It's a model prayer that Jesus gave. It's okay if a person memorizes that prayer and recites it, if they do it with meaning and with real intent. But <clears throat> I think what Jesus was trying to do is tell us, really to teach us how to pray. Because his disciples actually said, Lord, teach us how to pray. <laughs> so that's what he gave them, right? So I think the first thing I want to sh share with you is this, pray with understanding understand who you're praying to. Jesus introduces this as praying to our Father, your Father, my Father. It's corporate, right? He's our Father together, but he's your personal Father. And Jesus makes it simple and personal. God doesn't need to hear how majestic or how holy or how powerful he is. He doesn't need for you to, to show how holy or reverent you are either. Understand this, what he wants from us is a personal, intimate connection communication, like a child in the lap of a loving father, right? Our father, who is in heaven, understand where he's coming from. He's above all. He sees all. He sees our lives from a lofty perspective. You know, we come up against a brick wall, he sees over it. We come up to a, a huge hill, he sees over it. He sees around the next corner, down the long road ahead. He's He's seated on the throne of the universe in control of all nature and all kingdoms. He sees your life from the first breath to the last breath and on into eternity. He has your back always. And then Jesus says, pray it this way. Say, hallowed be your name. Understand that we can have an intimate, personal, father-child-like relationship with the Father, yet he's also to be honored above all gods. Above, above self, above the God of self, above all other interests in your life. His is the name above all names, the name at which every knee will bow, and he deserves our worship. Secondly, I think we need to understand that we are to pray in his will, with submission, with deference, with obedience. Jesus said, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What's it mean to ask in Jesus' name? Well, ask according to who he is, his authority, his will. How do we ask in Jesus' name? Well, this isn't just a mindless phrase that we tack on at the end of our prayer. Jesus set the example. He was on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, suffering, dying, and he says, Father, remove this cup from me. But then he caught himself and said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's about mindset, right? Selfish motives will not be blessed by God. And so James says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Thirdly, pray with dependence. Jesus said, pray this way. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Do you have needs? Jesus says to ask. In Matthew 7 and 7, we read this. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? He won't give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? So your Father, who is in heaven, gives what is good to those who ask him, right? And then in Matthew 6, 8, um, we read this. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, if he knows what we need before we ask him, then, then why do we need to ask, right? Well, because of what it does for us. You see, prayer builds relationship with God. Uh, there's a pastor right in this area, actually, who tells a story about when he was a kid, and, and um, he would go to family gatherings, and he had an uncle. And uh, one day the uncle says, Dee, come on over here. And Dee came over and he said, uh, what is it, uncle? He said, uh, Dee, here, I have a nickel for you. And he said, man, it was a shiny nickel. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Thanks, uncle. He says, and I got more. If you want to come back and get, a num we'll get one later, you can do that. Oh, okay. So he went away and he came back thought, thought, you know, I'm going to go see if that's really true. So he goes back to his uncle and says, hey, uncle, can I have another nickel? Sure, here you go, Dee. We talked a little bit and I went off and played a little bit, and I thought, wow, 10 cents, I should go back. So I went back, and I said, can I have another nickel? Yeah, and I got about, to about 20 cents, and I thought, you know, next, so I went back to my uncle, and I said, hey, uncle, are those all those nickels for me in your pocket? He says, yeah, they are, Deke, Duke, uh, whatever your name is. Whatever your name is. <laughs> and he said, well, why do I need to keep coming back? Why, can you, why, would you just give them all to me right now if they're mine? Can I just have them all right now? Well, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, why not? Because you won't keep coming back to me. You see, that prayer is like that. God wants us to pray because it's a relationship builder. Relationships require time spent with each other and communicating and sharing life together. And God wants an intimate life-sharing experience with us. It's a, really a gift to, to us, as John said last week. Personal relationship with us. He invites us to ask, give us this day and the next day and the next day. It's like the manna in the wilderness, if you're familiar with that story. Right? The Jews are in the wilderness, they're wandering, and God provides bread for them, something on the ground. And it was called, what is it? And the 
direct translation for what is it is manna, something like popcorn or whatever. And they'd gather a bunch of it and um, for that day. But if they tried to keep it overnight, it would spoil. And the next day they had to go out and get it again. Why would God do that? Because he wants us to depend upon him every day. Give us this day our daily bread. And it builds a relationship. And so prayer also builds a dependence upon God. And a dependence for provision, as we saw in Matthew 7. Ask, seek, knock. A-S-K, by the way. Ask, seek, knock. It works in the English. Also, it, it builds um, uh, a dependence for guidance and for wisdom. James says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a promise. And so when things aren't going well, when you're having trials and problems and tribulations, as they say, ask God for wisdom. He'll show you. And then it also provides, um, dependence on God provides for peace as well. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But notice something. He says, with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. If we do it without thanksgiving, we pray to God about problems that we're having without thanksgiving, it can just pray us right into a pit. Oh God, why is this happening to me? Oh Lord, I don't know why this is happening to me. Oh God, this hurts so much. This is so terrible. That doesn't bring peace. But if you pray this way, oh God, this is so terrible, but I thank you that you're in control. Oh God, this has never happened to me, but I know you, but thank you that you're on the throne and you can see over the next hill. Thank you, God, that you're in control. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you know what's going to happen. Thank you, God, that you can handle it. That's what brings peace, right? And then pray with contrition. Verse 12 says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then verse 14 says, for if you do not forgive those who sin against you, well, let me read it. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now that gets kind of confusing for us Christians, right? It's not that our eternal standing with God is, uh, is not a settled thing. It is a settled thing. If we have trusted Christ as our Savior, if we're born again, there's not a problem there. But what is this referring to? It refers to our ongoing relationship with the Father. Intimacy with God is lost if we have hatred, if we have bitterness, if we have unforgiveness toward another person, right? It can only be restored if I forgive my brother or sister and confess my actions to God. Our penitence is not acceptable to God unless and until we forgive our brothers and our sisters from the heart. That's what it's about. And then number five would be pray with reliance. Pray with reliance and do not lead us into temptation. When wronged or hurt, I'm telling you, we always are tempted to retaliate with anger or worse, right? But God steers us in the opposite direction. But deliver us from evil, he says. The battles we fight are not simply against one another. Um, have you learned that? There's more going on than, than mere human opposition to one another. The divisions we see in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our nation, isn't just human. It's spiritual. There are spiritual forces at work behind the scenes, and they always have been. 
In fact, Paul addressed this in Ephesians chapter 6, wherein he says, Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of, this, of wickedness in the heavenly places. He then tells us to stand firm in the faith, relying on the armor of God. And the apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That's a great phrase, isn't it? He cares for us. Then he goes on, he says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And so the devil prowls about like a roaring lion. Now there's fear when you hear a lion roar. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I did that once at the San Diego Zoo. It was early in the morning. I took our kids up to, the, to see the lion. We ran and got it before anyone there. And the lion was just laying there like, like a dumb lion, you know. And I said, watch this, guys. I went, Roar! <laughs> and that lion stood up, and he roared so loud. I mean, <laughs> it scared us to death. It was terrible. And so Peter's, I mean, when he says he prowls about like a roaring lion, man, there is fear there. But the lion is toothless against the believer who's resisting in the power of prayer. And we need to remember that we have we can have confidence, and so and then that brings me to the last point, and that is that we can pray with confidence. The reason we ought to pray in the, in this manner is is given here in verse thirteen, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. His is the kingdom. His is the only kingdom that lasts. It's the only kingdom that'll matter. It's the only kingdom I can depend on and trust. I have all confidence when I live and pray within his kingdom. His is the kingdom and the power, he says. His power is all the power in the universe. It's the only power I can depend upon in my life. More powerful than all the nations. More powerful than all the nation's armies on the face of the earth. More powerful than the spiritual powers in the heavenly places, in the heavens above and in the, and in the hell below. I have nothing to fear when I pray and live in God's power. And the glory forever and ever. All glory is God's. And when all is said and done, all praise, thanks, gratitude for all that is good and right will go to him and to him only forever. And then he says, amen. Well, what's amen mean? We attack it on the end of our prayers. We don't know what it means. It means, uh-huh. It means, I agree. That's right. That's what it means. I agree. And if I agree, then I'll live it out, right? If I say amen, I will pray and trust rather than complain in fear. And, and so, what if we could live this way? What if we could live this life of prayer that Jesus calls us to? Wouldn't that be amazing? What would your life be like? How might it change what you're now experiencing on a daily basis? 
Imagine the intimacy that you could have with your Heavenly Father who cares about every detail of your life. You can talk to Him about every situation, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your, your, your problems. Imagine resting in His will rather than fighting for your own will, right? Imagine the excitement and the fulfillment of joining God in His kingdom-building agenda. Loving God and loving our neighbor, seeking His will over our own. Imagine trusting God for your needs day to day on a daily basis. Faith rather than fear, right? Knowing he's going to guide, he's going to provide today and every day and every day after and, and into your future and into eternity. Imagine the freedom of letting go of anger and resentment. The freedom and peace of forgiving others and of knowing that you're right with God. And then imagine the confidence of knowing that you're protected from evil and from the evil one, knowing you can lean on the power of God in prayer and that the devil and his evil schemes will always flee from you. And imagine a life focused on his kingdom, his power and his glory, rather than your own little kingdom, your own limited power and vain personal glory. What a difference, right? It's all accomplished through this invitation to pray this life of prayer. Give it a try. And so I wanted to share with you a few tips that, I've, that have helped me over the years in my praying. One is the yellow pad. <laughs> Some people call it a journal. I started out on a yellow pad and I just love the yellow pad. It's something about, I mean, a white pad just doesn't work for me. It's gotta be a yellow pad. <laughs> but anyway, write out your prayers. Ask God and listen for his answer. And believe that if you ask, he will answer. And then write down what you're thinking. Write down what he answers. You know what it does? It provides a record of God's activity in your life. It's really a learning tool. You look back and you see what God's doing. I have many yellow pads and yellow pages where I've recorded God's answers and guidance in my life. And it also, it helps deal with distractions. You say, oh, how does it deal with distractions? Well, have you ever been praying, you're really trying to focus on God, and you think, oh man, I need to go to the store and pick up such and such. And you go, ah, oh, oh man, I need to make sure that I get the car washed today. Oh, distractions, right? Well, really? You're praying to God, you're talking with God, maybe he's reminding you. Maybe you just turn those things that you think are distractions into a, into a to-do list, right? And so I started doing that. I started going, oh, thank you, God. And then back to my prayer. Oh, yeah, I should do that too. And then back to my prayer. I'm telling you, it gives you total freedom <laughs> to just communicate with God. And uh, it becomes really a to-do list is what it does. And then it provides a check of your heart. Uh, you look back and you say, well, what have I been praying about over the past few days, over the past few weeks and months? Take a look at it. Is there more faith in those prayers or is there more fear? Is there more um, complaining or is there more praising? Is there grumbling or gratitude? And it brings me to another tip. Pray with thanksgiving. If we're trusting God, then there should be lots of thanksgiving in our prayers. As Philippians 4 said, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't pray yourself into a pit of despair. Pray with thanksgiving in your heart. And number three, just keep on praying. 
You know, you might not see the answer right away. God has his timing. And just keep on praying. You don't have to beg and, and you know grovel and that type of thing. But just know that God has his own timing. And be comfortable with that. And, and keep praying. Keep asking God for the things that he's placed on your heart. And number four would be pray as a child of God. That you know you're a child of God. Right, John? 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Are you a child of God? Do you have a need? Go to the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Which is Matthew 7-11, right? Right here. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? And then one last tip. Just do it. You'll like it. I loved that, but I especially loved the tips at the end. Seriously. Yeah. Practical. The yellow pad. Doable. I think that with Black Friday shopping and all the holiday shopping, all the yellow pads are going to be sold out. For sure. And the yellow pad thing is not a joke. Like my whole life, there's been yellow, yellow pads, pads growing up. That's yeah. amazing. Really cool. That's amazing. But the cool thing is, is it's a yellow pad for Ken because that's... Yeah. It could be an iPhone for you. It probably won't be an iPhone. Not for you. Not You're... for me. I'm an Android gal. Yeah. iPhone. Yeah. But a spiral. We, we make it work. That's right. We do. We make it work. So um, thank you for that, Ken. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some good challenges and tips in there for you if... Uh, you want to apply those, that'd be great. You can also ask questions. Maybe it made you think about yeah, something. Yeah, email me at info at yourcrosscreek.com. Yeah, and he'll respond. Yeah. And if you want Ken to respond, just say that in the email. Right. Say, John, this one's for Ken. Leave me alone, John. Yeah, that works. All hey, right. what? what's going on in the world? What's going on in the world? I don't know, because I don't read the news. But I do know yeah. that we are going to be gathering in person. Yeah, we are. Yep, for when? Christmas. Yes. Because by the time you guys watch this, or Thanks. listen to it, podcasters. Sup. Thanksgiving will be over. We won't be thankful anymore. We'll be wanting more stuff. That's right. Christmas. We'll be shopping. Yeah. December 19th. Okay. So a little change for this yeah, Christmas. Yeah, that's not the second or fourth. No, usually we do second and fourth gatherings, right? Right. Well, this time we're going to put all our eggs. See, I'm putting Easter in here too. Whoa. All our eggs in one basket and meet once in December on December 19th for a huge Christmas extravaganza we're calling it christmas together christmas together i really like it like this thank you yes there's no hashtag in it no but that's okay but christmas together that sounds great yeah music yep lots of like christmas carols and fun times mm, love it uh free giveaways a photo booth yes uh, a short message mm -hmm. and Keep it short. i will okay i always do and um food food yeah like Fun that's, snacks and desserts. That's and, my favorite part. Yeah, good stuff. Great. December 19th. Mark your calendars. Yeah. We'll have information online. It's on the screen and in the show notes. Uh, so check that out. If you have questions, let us know. Mm -hmm. But we're excited about that. Super. Speaking of December. Yeah. In December, we also have a for sale opportunity. That we do. Yes. And I'm actually calling it um, Christmas for everyone. Cool. We didn't cover that, but that didn't. works. I just made it up. Can but four be all caps? Four is definitely all caps. Nice. Christmas for everyone. So we have a little opportunity for you. There are six things on this uh, website or on the bookmark you can print uh, to be for 
your neighbors yeah. at Christmas. So they something you can do with family. Something you can do with family. Or yourself. Or by or yourself. friends. Great. Or strangers. Or neighbors, strangers. Yeah. It's all covered on there. And you can just pick one. Or you can do all six. Or you can do three. Or, or any combination thereof. Yeah. But it's just there for you. It's like a menu of ideas. And you and your family or your uh, roommate or whoever you're with or just by yourself can look at it and pick one. Yeah. It's a way to spread holiday cheer for all to hear. Yes. Thank you, Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that's all I've got. Awesome. Have a great week. We'll Have see you on the flippity flop. <laughs> that's right. Here are some questions for you. That's right. To discuss. Welcome to Together for Salem. My name's Monica. No, you're at General Akbar. I mean, my name's General Akbar. And I'm John. What? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? Well, Pastor John, tell me more about what's happening today. What? What's this episode about? <laughs> to you, Ken. Here you go, Dr. Ken. Woo! Woohoo! Commodore! Shh, quiet, we're trying to film. <laughs> In the world is going on. Should <laughs> 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 I start recording your. Yes, please. <laughs>